Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, the Internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, These are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza uh yeah so without further ado here is the weekly zeitgeist please welcome to the daily zeitgeist malamunos and yosef hola hola hey everyone how you doing for having us good to have you thanks for coming by yeah good to have y'all I would say what's new, but I, this is the first time we're meeting. So great to meet you. And is there anything new going on with y'all that we should know about? <laughs> As if we know each other. I mean, our, our first big major thing is we are like new to iHeart, to the network. We just signed sure. with the Michael Dura Network, which is like yes. the Latinx programming within iHeart. And we're really excited to be part of the family. Yeah, we've been podcasting since 2016, but to be on this level, to have this kind of game changer has been really exciting. So we're just happy to be here. Oh, you know, you 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 are, you know, legends in your own right. You've won awards. People know how good you are. I think it's only probably a matter of time that everybody began to understood that. But yeah, thanks so much for coming on. And okay, so this is something I was going to before we started, I was like, uh, this is something I've been having arguments about, not with any of y'all specifically, but mm-hmm. I asked the two of you. Both of you are from L.A., right? Yes. yes. What part of L.A. are y'all from? So I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley, but I live okay, more like in central L.A., mid-city now. Okay. Okay. 626. Mm-hmm. Checking in. Okay. Yes, truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in the mm-hmm. 562. I'm in southeast L.A. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So now, and Jaquise, I said, 
you're from Chicago. And he said, well, yeah, I've been living here for a minute. This is now, this is a question I have. When you, if you're on vacation, right? And mm-hmm. you're meeting, let's say you meet other American people or you just meet people and they say, oh, hey, okay, cool. Where are you from? Do you say where you live or where you're from? This yeah, is a question I, mean, I got. What, what's, what's, what is the right answer there? Yeah. At this point, I just say LA. Like I just, I just got back right. from having a black ass adventure in Europe for a month last month. <laughs> So, right. of course, you know, of course you 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 get a lot of where are you from? Where are you from? And then you say the states and right. or you say California and then you say Los Angeles. So that was the default. But then, like, if you're worthy enough to have me conversate with you for longer than like two minutes and we start talking <laughs> and, you know, I eventually I'll let it come out. Like, well, I was actually born in Chicago. I'm from Chicago. It's- so. At this point, I've been living in L.A. for over 10 years now. So at this point, sure. it's just easy. It makes no sense for me to say, okay. oh, I'm this from is Chicago. Where I get, this is where I get caught up. When I, someone says, where are you from? I literally hear that as, hey, like, what you cl- like where are you claiming? Like, where's, where mm-hmm. are you from? Yeah. Like, not mm-hmm. like, where do you reside? Like, I'll be like, yeah. no, nah, man, I'm from the Valley, bro. I'm from the San Fernando Valley. That's, yeah. that's where I'm from. But I, the people are being like, well, it's actually more relevant where you live now. And I'm like, I guess I just <laughs> interpret that question to be like, where are you from? Like, where do you originate me, from? And I guess that's where I get caught Let me up, let me tell let me tell y'all something. If y'all worry about me still repping Chi-Town, Chicago, Southside, <laughs> you ain't got to worry about that. I'm still yes. up here repping the 312 and the 773. Okay, know. You know what I'm saying? So it's just when I'm talking to the white folk from around the way and they want to know. <laughs> Where where are you? Li- they see black folks be like, "Where you from, my nigga?" White people are like, "Where are you living? Where are you living?" <laughs> right, right, right. For those you people, hear it differently. I think I'm it's saying L.A. Thing. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's you know, context. Okay. I feel context. Like, like it, it, it depends on who's asking. Mm-hmm. Right. If they're yeah. creepy, if they're creepy, I firmly believe in lying to people <laughs> about sure, where sure. you live and where you're from. Hey, girl, where you at? Where you from? You know? like, mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. Okay. Because also no. now living in Chicago, now living, you know, being from Chicago and shit. This shit happened to me in L.A. at a karaoke bar. Like, I had a friend from Chicago in. We were talking. And then, of course, it was a white boy. Of course, the conversation turned to, so how about that violence? And she, like, shut the fuck mm. up. Like, I, right, you know, right, right. so I I don't need all that. But if it's a homie, I can tell the person is cool. Like, Miles, you know me well. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. there's no shortage of Chicago pride coming from me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I know that. I know yeah. that. You, you represent yeah, yeah. all the way. What is something from your search history? So I found this just this morning. I was like, oh, this is a perfect. I, in my search history, I have morning finger pain. Morning and finger pain. What morning party, finger describe pain. the pain. Is this you, yeah, some of your experiencing? Okay. It's like, yeah, in my middle finger, when I wake up in the morning, it feels like it's jammed almost. Mm. It feels like just like tensing like it, stiff? like flexing it hurts a little bit, uh-huh. relaxing it, even like getting it up to like that, that full stretch. Right. Hurts. And I was like, it was, wasn't going away. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, at, I'm 40, 40 years old now. And there are you're just so things. After you, you're 40. So you admit it. You admit that though. I'm wow. admitting. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you like, admit you admit it. it. Okay. Look, so admit it. For, it's okay to be 40. You're right. And uh, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. there's just like things. Like I got a shoulder thing that I just sort of live with now. And I was like, yeah. oh, it's just another thing. And I was like, well, maybe I can look it up and see what it is. And right. uh, so I'm trying, I was looking up morning finger pain just like i look up all my ailments and i'm it could be uh tendonitis yay you can fix that or it could be what's that thing called where your fingers get all old and and arthritis yeah could be arthritis 
like the old people Incurable. thing. Yeah, yeah. And then you're just done if you got arthritis. Wait, so but why the morning? I don't know. Uh, like what? It, that's it, what it said. goes away throughout. It works itself out, basically. Oh, yeah, Miles, you're so young, so naive. Throughout Everything hurts in the morning once you hit 40, man. It's like it starts, your yeah, whole body. My, really? I threw my back out this morning just like making breakfast for my kids. <laughs> like it just like oh, no. seized up. I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like grease it. Like, the, the wheels get greased throughout the day somehow. Yeah. Okay, moving so. around. But in the mornings, I'm yeah, not having it's like that. super painful. No. So it could be those two things, or if narratives from TV shows have taught me anything, there's probably an alternate personality that when you go to sleep, takes yes, over and emerges. starts doing things while you're asleep with your with middle finger, finger and shoulder. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it is, but it's spooky and scary. And you, you should start videotaping yourself when you go to sleep. Oh, I do. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. Love watching those. Yeah. <laughs> and your kids are going to be like, the man in the tree came back last night to yeah. visit me. And you're like, what again? <laughs> is that just yellow jackets or is that? I feel like I've seen that other places where like a split. I feel like out. it's a trope. That's of, like, a... yeah. But the lady in the tree is definitely yellow jackets. Oh, Fight you mean... Club. Yeah, yeah. Fight Club. Is yeah. Also... In that sense, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're just spoiling <laughs> shit left and right. What is uh, what's something you think is overrated? Oh, gosh, I'm probably going to get you all canceled. I think Taylor Swift is overrated. I think <laughs> I saw <laughs> I saw Miles's eyes. Um, no, really. I just I've never seen it for that lady. I always refer to her as that lady. And, I and just, I'm sorry you to know, that lady. I, that lady, she's just that lady to me, and I genuinely don't see it for her. I think she's, or I think she's overrated. Um, I, I definitely think she's a mean girl masked as a. I'm just telling a story, nah, girl. You're being messy, and I think that that's something that I wish more people saw. I like, I see through her. I really do. Mm-hmm. Oh, you say okay. You're like, you're like, you're doing a good job, though. You're doing a good yeah. job. Well, like, I mean, she's, a lot she's of been tricks. able to capitalize on it. So obviously Absolutely. she's doing a really good job. But I genuinely just don't see it for her. I, so I who, genuinely believe that she she is that. So I'm going to say this. She is that girl that when you were in middle school constantly did things and everyone else got in trouble but her. She's She is that girl, in my oh, opinion. Oh, she's getting away. She's always getting away with it. Mm-hmm. 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 And she knows okay. how to manipulate people to she basically yeah she just personifies what white feminism is in my opinion i said what i said okay. yeah you said wow. it. you said it loud mm-hmm. who do you think should be who is the person who needs who isn't getting the taylor shine that you like you know who should be getting that shine is this artist uh the person who is not getting the taylor shine that they deserve i genuinely you know so there is i, I see people doing the challenge on the tiktok uh victoria mm-hmm. monet I think should be getting all of the love and the shine that Taylor Swift is getting. It's just, I think she's a great performer, great writer, and she doesn't bother people. Like she does, you never hear anything negative about Victoria Monet in the, in the news, but yet for some reason, she's not as big as, you know, Taylor is. And I don't get why. So. It'll take time. Sure. We'll get there. Yeah. Well, the good news is like right Taylor now, Swift fans tend to be pretty measured and, you know, oh, take yeah, things reasonable. Stride, so we should be good here. Use a lot yeah. of qualitative and quantitative analysis, <laughs> analysis. With, their, with their opinions. Absolutely. I feel like right now, though, Carly Rae Jepsen is like overtaking Taylor Swift or like at least on should. Twitter. I see as way more people getting turned up over CRJ, which, yeah, I'll fuck with her, too. So, yeah, I do, too. Yeah. OK. Yeah. What's something that you think is underrated, Carmen? You know, I thought about this question, Miles. Look at me. Okay. I'm a brown woman. Right. I'm a brown woman. OK. <laughs> mm hmm. 
What's underrated? Me. What's me? Okay. My yeah. whole life. Me. Yeah. My whole freaking life. And I'll say all other black and brown women underrated, underappreciated, underthought of, under everything. Because I tell you, even just yesterday, I was in the Apple store and this young man, I go up to him and I'm like, oh, I need a new phone, blah, blah, blah. Black screen of death, blah, blah, blah. And this man, he just treated me so dismissive, so dismissive mm. until he's like, well, why don't you just look up your receipts from the store to see when's the last time you bought a bill? And I scroll in and I'm scrolling receipts. And this brother mm -hmm. goes, oh, I, I didn't realize that like you bought so much here. Like, you know, just the stupid shit, because yeah. of course I don't, I'm not the color and the type and this and that. And the other thing all happens constantly. It's that thing of where, Becca, you know. You mm -hmm. walk out the door in your skin, in your race and in your gender and how you appear. And that hits you in the face. Absolutely. Right? In many, many spaces. And so I think we still do underrate our women of color and black and brown women. For real. Happens on the daily. And there's also, of course, there's an urge to squash it. Because as you know, Becca, we are so good. We are so Absolutely. good. Well, right now, the biggest yeah. transgression I've been seeing that's been irking me so crazy is that, like, the Internet's trying to make Hailey Bieber an it girl. I've been annoyed yeah. since day one. She's literally uh. just a nepotism baby with no talent. And Bieber stands come for me. But she has been doing this, like, brown lip gloss combo. I was just going to say, are you mean the Chola yeah. face she's doing? And it's like, the clean oh, so look? Yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of us have been wearing real gold. And I, you know, I'm sure the it girlies on the internet, a lot of it's not. It's like, these are gold that's passed down. All my right. gold's passed down. And the makeup that they we wear, the clean look, is because we couldn't afford a lot of makeup. Or makeup didn't come in our colors that we couldn't get yes, foundation. exactly. So we're buying brown lip or e eyeliner to use as lip liner to right. make a lip gloss because they don't have anything in our shades. So I'm just like, ugh, whatever, this brown, like, new look for fall. I'm like, no, <laughs> this is something my mom has worn iconically for years. Like, I yes, just yes. Get it. And that's the thing is that we get these, we're simultaneously underrated and stolen from. Yes. Because we produce yeah. the good shit, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's that simul, no, we want what you got, be but, but, you know, you stay over here. Yeah. We also but think, yeah, your but crap, don't come into you know? a doctor's office saying that you got oh, pain because I'm not going to hear that shit. Let me yeah. tell you, know I mean? you yeah. I've had to search for doctors. Like the the dismissiveness that they give you when you walk in the office when you're a brown woman is just, mm -hmm. it, it actually causes death. Yeah. yeah. Right? No. 100%. It kills women. So that we are underrated. Look, I gave you something like so serious. Meanwhile, Becca, <laughs> yeah, like, you know what's underrated? Facts, what's underrated? The brown lip. I got, a brown little, I got a little bit of it going on myself. Yes. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. make it peppy, Miles. Let's get, let's this, get give no, me another I question. Of, I can no, give you something I just, I, fun. Man, I just went through this with a family member, you know, like just terrible medical care. And it really made me think, I'm like, is there like a top 40 for doctors? Like, because there's, you see so many things yes. and there's reviews, right? You can be like, oh, this doctor oh, has good is. reviews, but, oh, and there are good doctors. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I'm just like, I'm like, where's the. What's like the the Michelin guide? So, you know, I'm like, no, nah, these motherfuckers won't dismiss you. Like if you're saying something's wrong, because I mean, not just I'm not trying to paint the entire medical industry with one brush. Yeah, I know people myself who are very dedicated to what they do. But I know there are also so many people who slip through the cracks that it's like half the time I feel like I'm I'll pick a just a doctor because who's closest. 
and yeah. then end up and going does to your another doctor. And they'd be does like, your insurance cover? Exactly. That's yes. the thing. And that's why people like have to go to certain doctors, you know? Yeah. And they're like, oh, how come he didn't get all this blood work and blah, blah, blah done? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a fucking doctor. I just went to this motherfucker and they said it was all good. Well, you're saying what now? Like, well, that's... But, uh, Listen, yeah. I've been in the doctor's office. My daughter's long COVID, so we have many doctors. Mm. And sometimes, you know, she's she's a sass- sassafras, like her mama. And sometimes we'll leave and she'll be like, that guy was an asshole. Or that woman, did you see the way she didn't talk to me? She didn't look at me. She just looked at you like I'm not a person, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I say, I say, B, here's what you got to understand. Just like I just said about the forgiveness thing, doctors are just people. Yeah. They're just yeah. people. They're not like some magical demigod. They're just human beings. They can yeah. be just as racist, just as stupid, just as biased, just as tired, just as hungry, just, you know, all of those things, not to excuse their behavior, but like, where is it coming from? Is yeah. It, mm-hmm. will, is it willful bias and ignorance or is it like they're really, really rushed? And maybe you still don't want to see them anyway. Yeah. Or the momentum know? of the whatever the status quo is within oh. a given profession, too. You know, like yeah. every industry has this like, decades old momentum of terrible habits and shit that can't be broke but yeah yeah anyway all that to anyway. say uh, let us know what's the michelin guide for doctors <laughs> no for there real. is there i don't want to plug anybody but you know when you google the doc when you google doctors names it does you'll see a rating come up and or zoc doc also has ratings from a, yeah a lot of yeah zoc doc yeah. does have ratings but then See, but then I think because of Yelp, I'm like, see, I don't know what this person been through. Word and of how mouth. Yeah. Word of yeah, mouth. That's why I have exactly. found almost all of my daughter's specialists and my doctors through word of mouth. Yeah. That's, that's like the same thing. I'm like, you like happen. your doctor? The I'm second like, someone at? says that, I'm like, okay, what are they like? Where are they yes. at? Where are they at? What do yeah, they do? Yeah, yeah. Can I get to an appointment? To all my girls here in New York, I gave them a rundown because it took me two years to find all my doctors. I went through trial and error. I've also had very, I've talked about it on this podcast. I've talked about it on Ethnically Ambiguous. I've definitely had the run of the gamut of bad doctors. Oh, yeah. I have a really great selection here now. And I like sent it to all my girls who moved to New York. I was like, these are my doctors. If they're oh, covered good. by your insurance... Go to these people because they respect me. <laughs> so, Becca, you have performed a very important service. Yes. That is an incredible. You've saved them hours and months and years of pain. So, yeah. bravo, yeah. girl. Bravo. They're like, hey, I want to get Becca's list. Like, how much? <laughs> yeah, how what's much Becca's pay? list? Let's, what's her <laughs> list? <laughs> well. uh, all right, let's take a quick break uh, and we'll be right back to talk about governance after this. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't 
feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture Culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And there was a tragedy in Seoul, Korea, a crowd crush, 150 young people died. And in the aftermath of these, I feel like you know, with the Astro World one, it was, I think that the bizarre conspiracy theories were extra quick and, and they were like it had something to do with Satan and Satan worshiping. But right. usually the thing you hear is that it's a stampede, that people are like kind of trampled under a stampede. And it's, it's a really kind of consistent misunderstanding or like misreporting of what actually happens because it's it almost always has to do with fluid dynamics and not anybody in the crowd doing something violent like that. Right. So the, the New York times article about this on Sunday, like that was in the print version, like they had a quote that was later, a group of young men made a hard shove down the hill, chanting, push, push. And that was like kind of the, 
it stands out because it's the only real description of anyone like doing anything. Other the all the other descriptions are people being like, we don't know what happened. We have no idea. Like no like nothing seemed off. And then like there there was a some people were claiming there must have been a gas leak or something. But first of all, it's like weird. A group of young like how did they source the fact that a group of young men like specifically in this massive like wave of people was doing anything in particular. But the truth is that generally these have more to do with fluid dynamics. And like basically when crowd density rises above four people per square meter, and especially two, six or more, people get pressed together so tightly that they begin to move together as one unit with waves of pressure and release. Yeah. And it's scary. Like, yeah, I've been have in you guys crowds ever been that, in a crowd like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I've been in crowds that get like that, and it'll be like as a show's about to start at a concert or getting out, and people are trying like a festival. You're trying to like just people are trying to move very quickly from thing to thing, and it always is the thing where when you're in it, you'll be like, "Damn!" Like you're shoulder to shoulder, and like you're saying, you're almost like I'm moving because everything else is moving, not because I have the space to move or anything. It's like. I'm being pushed from behind. And usually you'll hear people at one point go, yo, stop pushing, stop pushing. Like you feel that there's always this thing where people feel that they're being pushed because of like you're saying this, like it's like watching traffic of it, like the pressure building up and releasing like an accordion kind of. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely freaky when you're in a situation like that, but never like at the scale of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah. There's this Business Insider article that they released after using the word stampede in early reports. But they they were like, yeah, no, we interviewed this person, Keith Still, a UK crowd science and risk analyst expert who said, I've not seen any instances of the cause of mass fatalities being a stampede. People don't die because they panic. They panic because they are dying. So right. you might hear people scream like push, push, because they're like trying not to be like suffocated by right, from the other side. Crowd. But it's like the people in the back who are you know, maybe hundreds of feet away from anyone who's in real danger might like just do a a small shove to like keep their balance or something. And that builds up this like wave of people that can like have a multiplying effect. And it really just like comes down to the people who are involved are in a no-win situation when you get that many people into that small space. And that there's nothing that they can do. But the the way we try and make sense of it because of like how, you know, I've heard it explained as like America is individualistic. So we can't like make sense of anything that we can't like blame on an individual person. You could also like I, I've heard people say it's the English language and the way that the English language is structured. Like it makes it so that we there has to be someone doing an act there. Like we rarely just talk about something happening. It's almost always like someone doing the thing but it's very misleading and it also lets the organizers off the hook like the yeah you know when people try to sue over this it's almost always thrown out because of this misconception that did you guys watch the uh, woodstock documentary yeah no i didn't the woodstock 99 one yeah they yeah in it they talk about it's like it's called train wreck and they they talk about uh they interview somebody who was on stage and like somebody, people who like perform at these things, they see the, that like fluidity of the crowd. And they talk about how when crowds start to get like really riled up, you'll just see like a group of people in the crowd. All of a sudden, the whole group just moves to the right six feet, like out yeah. of nowhere. And they don't know how it happened or anything. But you, from the stage, you can see it happen where it's just like everybody all of a sudden is over. 
and yeah. uh, they'll kind of like get picked up essentially and pushed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes I think people just get, I don't know. I, I always picture it as like somebody getting stuck underneath and then getting trampled to death. But I guess that's not really it. I, I mean, that just, that can happen too. But I think the, the real, the real danger is when people get so compressed, you literally are just, just being suffocate. squeezed out. Yeah. Like yeah. you're, like you're just, you just being compressed breathe. to the point you can't even breathe and then you're yeah, just like stuck medieval war where like at the, yeah, in the middle it, of it everybody is just on, like you can't even do anything <laughs> right and right. you bring up the organizers too jack because like the cops were saying in seoul they were like they admitted that they were there but they weren't there for crowd control like yeah. the 130 some officers that were there were there just to look out for criminal activity so they were like yeah i mean we actually had no we have there's no real guidebook, like according to like the police force of like how to like what to do for crowd management, because the other thing they point to or this is like an ex- or their excuse was also is like, well, there's also no clear organizer. But the fact is, you knew like this event has been growing over the last few years. And this yeah. was like especially people were there because this is like the first time there weren't any covid restrictions in place. So it was going to be turn up city like. Yeah. And they they said that that so, that metro station, a hundred thirty thousand people like passed through there that night. Yeah. So a lot of people were like, you could do so many things, like have the have the like station the that metro station closed, so people have to go to the next one and like walk through rather than just like letting like hundreds of like a hundred thousand people just bleed out into this one very small area and yeah. just be like, yeah, let's throw our hands up. I don't know, let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be viewed like there is a wave of water. Like, a, a, I people have said, like, it's similar to a tsunami. And, like, that's really how they need to treat. If, like, yeah, if there are that many people going through a turnstile to an event in, like, a small location, like, that needs to be how it's treated. Because, yeah, like, the the fluidity of it is is kind of mind-boggling. But, yeah, people talk about, like, having shoes sucked off their feet because of, like, just how much pressure and movement and yes suddenly you're like 30 feet to your right and like you haven't done anything other than be like picked up off your feet right but yeah it it just needs to be a crowd control a like human engineering like issue and not treated as you know something where the cops are just there to prevent pickpocketers and like that there just need to be very clear rules in everybody's mind of like okay this looks like it's going to be more than two to four people like per square meter let's like we need to just stop people from coming here yeah like set up a blockade or something i yeah i i think about like early when i was a kid and i would go to punk shows or something and i was like scared going in there but then you'd be in the crowd and like everyone would be like pushing each other and you get knocked down and other people would just pick you up and i was like oh it's safe like everybody has has this figured out like this somehow the everyone who goes to these already knows how this all works and this it's just not true. Like the minute that you hit capacity, no one's in control anymore. Right. Yeah, right. It was safe because there was space, you know, for <laughs> yeah. there to be like a mosh pit. And then if right. you needed to get out, you could get out, too. Yeah. And right. it wasn't just like, a, you know, a, just a compact space for people to go. In. Jack, have you ever been somewhere with your child in a situation like that? I was at a thing yesterday, like to, to your point, Miles, about. It being like, you know, post pandemic, there is a Not Halloween. Really, I mean, <laughs> what's post, that? Yeah, post sorry. acknowledging pandemic. Sorry. But, I'm pretty sure Miles but, called it scamdemic, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I sorry. was like, speaking of, you say it because things don't just happen. People do them to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you check out my favorite tweet later. <laughs> 
Sorry. Yes. I, and that's something that I need to be wary of because we're not post pandemic. We are post a lot of the things that were helping us fight the pandemic and like post shutdowns. But we we went to a like fair in our neighborhood that was didn't happen for the last two years. And it was just absolutely like so jam packed in like all these people in a small setting, like everybody was miserable. Like we were walking up and like parents were like, it's bad there. Like, good luck. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, uh, they're, they're just being fun. <laughs> like, and it, it was right. scary. Like we, we yeah. left after like five minutes because yeah, I think just a, a lot of people showing up at the same place and not a lot of like, there's just not this idea that, okay, one person is in charge. And if it hits this number, you're done. Like you, everybody has to like go home or like, yeah. you just need to start turning people away. Right. Yeah, we, we went to the, when my son was young enough that he was in a stroller, we went to the women's march and we were like out in the street corner, this intersection basically, where just people started to like swell from each side and it just sort of like pushed into the middle and it became packed enough that people couldn't see the stroller down oh, low, wow. but, but everyone who's like looking for an empty space, all they see is like this empty space. So right. like everybody's trying to move to that space and then they see there's a stroller there. So now it's just like more denser and denser. And then right. at a certain point, they're like, we're all going to march now. And I was like, that's a bad idea. Like we should not even like, let's just all go our separate ways. Like this is bad. And I, it was a situation I was helpless in. And I was like, I shouldn't have brought him here. Like this is yeah. a mistake. Yeah. That's really scary. Yeah. It just sounds like we have to move past like the idea of like when there's a lot of people there, it's not like, and then some joker is going to trigger a stampede. It's that when there are so many people there, just it has happen. to be like, like second nature that you say, well, we have to figure out how to like alleviate pressure from certain points so we don't have a crush because yeah. we know this tiny district or wherever this place is going to be that you figure out what to do for people's safety. And like, yeah, in the, you know, I think in the cases of like World and Woodstock, it was a lot of that stuff was clearly because of cost cutting, just being like, we don't want to pay that much for security. And then this right. one seems like total just absolute lack of preparation from like the municipality to like understand what it means to have that many people in a space and then you know having a tragedy like that right after yeah and even going to the explanation of a gas attack is like that because that's one of the things we can conceive of as like an invisible killer but like 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 at astroworld someone was injecting people Right. And they were going down in the crowd. It's like, yeah, no, people were suffocating or going into cardiac arrest because of the this right. rush. Yeah. All right. Let's talk Twitter. Elon has taken over and apparently wants users with blue check marks to pay around $20 a month to keep their verification status, lest they be cast aside to the faceless masses with us normies. The blue checks will allegedly have 90 days to subscribe and the Twitter employees have until November 7th to figure this out or they will be fired, (laughs) according to Elon Musk. He seems like a cool boss. Great leader, great leader, great leader, great genius, genius, genius. Yeah, I guess they have a thing called Twitter Blue. Yeah. Which is like an optional $4.99 a month subscription that unlocks additional features and they're just going to transition that into a more expensive subscription. I'm that trying to think of what you possibly users. would pay for. What is it? What does Twitter Blue have? Delete or like? I don't edit? know if it has edit tweets. Or what? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. It's to the point where you're like, know. I can't even. Right. Exactly. Like, do I need to have Twitter Blue? I don't think so. No. But I think it's just a way to be like, it's premium. And then if you're just addicted to that word, you're like, yeah, yeah, I got. And I got the premium Twitter. I got the Paramount Plus. <laughs> I got it all. But I think, I think the big thing too is just also seeing it's like, oh right, this because. 
I think a lot of people are like, this guy doesn't really want Twitter. You know what I mean? Like he right. was really trying to avoid it. And now it's like, OK, well, now you got to have this thing be a money making thing. And that, like first step is, all right, fire everybody and then make blue check mark 20 bucks a month. Yeah. Is that saving money? <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, you turn a profit like that? And so Twitter verification was supposed to be about security and rooting out fraud. Uh, it was introduced in 2009. <laughs> right. And it came after Tony LaRussa sued the company after a Tony LaRussa impersonator account made derogatory jokes about him. <laughs> and I think they got that scared them. But so, Soren, <laughs> you do have a blue check mark. Hell yeah. And I did notice that, like, around the time that you got the blue check mark, your appearance totally changed. And mm. you, you just took over i i'd always assumed you just took over somebody else's account and once they had the blue check mark it was you were just a new soren buoy right yeah that, i mean i felt like a new man as right. soon as i got it <laughs> it's like it my world changed kind of things opened up for me yeah <laughs> i'll give you a peek in the back door here jack because i mean obviously they didn't they didn't approve your check mark uh <laughs> they didn't approve mine because I have been. I have asked for my since you got yours. <laughs> You've applied yeah. so many times. Oh my god! So it's the things that are different are especially if you're a writer is that other writers like immediately will respond to you, like other blue check other people who are they. It's like this legitimacy that you have where they're like, oh, like if you if you write something to somebody or a reply, then they're like, oh, okay, I'll play this game. Whereas before, like you just ignore everybody else. Yeah. And that was nice. But then it also, it made it so that I couldn't fight with anybody. Like you, it's really dangerous to be like, really get into it with somebody because you're never the good guy in that situation. In any cir circumstance, it's like, if you don't agree with somebody or you're like, you're going at it with somebody, eventually, inevitably, somebody you know will jump in and be like, hey man, that, that person's got 150 followers. Yeah, right. Just chill out. You're verified. <laughs> like, why'd you yeah. do a deep dive into their YouTube channel <laughs> yeah. that you found of theirs and just totally <laughs> tore it apart, dude? We get yeah. it. But that <laughs> is why I'm able to just talk shit about you flagrantly and That's you great. won't say anything back to me. I will never is... say a thing because yeah. I have to pretend yeah. I don't know who you are. I don't right. remember you. Because <laughs> I'm, the, yeah. And you won't admit to knowing me anywhere except this podcast, <laughs> right. which is, uh, <laughs> can be a little unnerving. It can be a little frustrating and it does drive my mania yeah. to get my blue check mark right. uh, approved. But, but I do like that even like for you, sorry, it does feed the idea of like, well, I'm a blue check. And how does that look <laughs> yeah. as I, a blue check, kicking dirt on the downtrodden checklist? Yeah. yeah. It's a, Act I'm like a, you've been there before. Come I'm on. a star-bellied sneak, yeah. man. <laughs> uh, it, I, it, I will find, though, that there are people who, like Dan O'Brien is a good friend of mine. If Dan tweets at me, I never see it. Like, for whatever reason, they're like, Twitter's like, oh, this is the riffraff. Like, he, these people who are oh, not blue wow. check, you won't. Like, they just hide some shit that you don't is ever see. Is he not blue checkmarked? No. He no. insists on, well, you oh, know, he's like, now the guy I'm starting who, to think it's our last name. This is, this is bullshit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. They famously, Twitter. yeah, most, uh, any like McCallahan, anything that's like slightly <laughs> Irish, they're like, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Right. Uh oh. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, so obviously, like the security measure part of it melted away, like the Tony LaRusa thing, like he had to throw his case out because the account that he was like, they're trying to steal my identity was like named Tony LaRusa. Like, what's it called? I, I'm having like parody. Yeah. It was called Tony LaRusa parody account or like it said that on the bio. 
So right. he, it was just old have man a much not of a understanding internet, basically. <laughs> but yeah, it became status. It became a thing where the blue checks wouldn't even respond to us. And also, it's like Chester Cheetah has a blue check mark. <laughs> right. So, like, I, I, I'm not sure who was trying to steal Chester Cheetah's account. Or maybe they were. I don't know. That that actually makes more sense. Well, I mean, I when you look at loud. that, though, too, like, because you're always like, wait, so how come, like, these Peabody winning journalists will have blue checks and then a hot potato chip also has one? <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, right. oh, right, you can like basically can buy your way there, too. Yeah. There's also these have already been for sale. Twitter themselves have unofficially sold verified accounts to non-celebrities if they just spend $15,000 over three months on advertising on Twitter. Whoa. Which I think is a smaller amount of people than you would think since Twitter ads are bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Like, you're basically giving them 15 grand for nothing. Right. Well, like, I, I, you don't behave, like, in a hostile manner towards ads you see on Twitter. I'm like, get the fuck. Like, whenever I see him, I'm like, dude, I wouldn't even fucking pretend to look at that shit. (laughs) <laughs> but also, wow, this is really what Alex Mack, that play, person who played Alex Mack, looks like now? Huh. Okay. I'll always hit those three buttons, those little, little three dots at the top and be like, hide. Right. Hide. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I oh, just don't you. like ads. Get it out of here. Get out of my why? face. Why? <laughs> why, though? Yeah. They also got in trouble when they verified one of the Charlottesville Nazis in 2017. Right. Whoops. So that's... But they just, like, don't have... It's the same social media problem where they're too vast to police and the it just becomes a free for all and like there's no way for them to do a consistent policy without like hiring so many people that the site then becomes not profitable. So it's just I, I'm a, fine with them taking away the blue checks from everybody, making it like egalitarian because nobody and what that's essentially what they're doing because nobody's going to buy a $20 check. A that's $20 what most people mark. are saying. And if they yeah. do buy a twenty dollar a month check mark like that, fuck that person. Because <laughs> like, yeah, then like, you're gonna look yeah, like it becomes yeah. like a sign that you're the worst. Because <laughs> yeah. before you could you could have a blue check and be like, oh, I don't know. Like I they said they offered it to me. You yeah, know, like back yeah. in the day, they're like, Yeah, like they are like my manager figured it out. But now like when you have it, they're like, Oh, so you paying twenty bucks to Elon right. for that. Yeah, it's okay. desperation is re- okay. just reeking okay. from okay. it. Yeah. And so and, and people know too, are smart enough on Twitter to know that. If you look at somebody's account, you look at how many followers they have versus how many they follow. And that's like a good indication of whether this person is the right person, like the person you're looking for. <laughs> if right, you, if you're right. as any ever a question about whether this is like a parody account, yeah, you just look at like, oh, okay, how many people are they following? How many people are following? Right. Them? Ah, I see that that last number is higher than the first number. That's a good sign. The I think the, the fucked up part about all of this is that like so many people are not critical enough in their analysis at looking at anything on the internet that they're just going to assume blue check equals truth. And there's going to be a ton of bullshit out there from these blue checks that most of the time you'd be like, what the, how the fuck did this person get verified from the epic times or whatever? Like what the fuck is like, yeah, yeah, like it's going to be all like just, just a ton of like misinformation fest. I mean, that's why like everyone's just looking at this now and be like, wow. Okay. Like, the use of racial slurs has exploded exponentially and he's spreading like fucking te- like these fucked up homophobic conspiracy theories and then deleting him. And he's like, uh, is it possible? I know what I'm the, doing. The blue check story is meant to d- detract from that 
which is like a much bigger story, which is that, yeah, Twitter's way worse, that he's also doing some really terrible, he's tweeting some really terrible things about like Nancy Pelosi and shit like that on there. Right. I, that I, I think you just, yeah. you know that everyone's going to talk about the blue check thing because the blue checks are going to influence everybody else on Twitter. And that's all they want to talk about. Right. But the one thing I feel like all of the most news outlets have been pretty consistent with some version of like, damn, Elon's first week's a fucking real fuck up or some version of that. Maybe yeah. not so aggressive, but pointing out it's like he's like fired everyone as it stands right now. It's like just announced that he fired the entire board. Right. And now it's right. just him right now as he figures out what to do with it. So I think most things are pointing to like he's not sure what to do with it. And he's making things so much fucking worse right now. But what I yeah. Hey, Jack Dorsey's working on his own shit now. Blue Sky, whatever the fuck it's called. So, Blue Sky, whatever the fuck it's called. Sorry, yeah, I'm well, canceling my yeah. application for the blue check thing. Let me just cancel this <laughs> here real quick. Because you guys made some good points. It'll be, it'll just be like Facebook, I think. Like Facebook was a place yeah. where everybody left and the people who didn't leave thought that everyone was, like, everyone was still there. Was still and, like, there. Everyone yeah. just agrees with me all of a sudden. <laughs> and, then it, and then it just became this weird God. echo chamber. And you know, and what's going to happen is there's going to be like millennial grandpas. They're like, dude, yeah. my fucking dad's still on Twitter. And no. They're right. like, what? In the, in the year 2045? Yes, dude. He gets all his fucking news on there. <laughs> oh, my God. That's <laughs> uh, going to be me. <laughs> yeah because i i don't know i'm I like i can't I give up these numbers i'm like you're just hating son because you ain't got these followers it's the only <laughs> social network i still use and it's like it's i'm gonna do i'm gonna keep doing jokes man yeah <laughs> that's all it's gonna be forever all right let's take a quick break we'll come back we'll talk pheromones What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And the McRib is coming back to McDonald's (laughs) to go away again for what, quote, might be the last time. Do they say that every time about the McRib? There have been multiple farewell tours for the McRib. First, first off, do Matthew, you do eat the McRib ever? I have, have never you ever eaten it? one. Have Same. You, have y'all never even I've had never, a McRib? I've, never, I've no. never had a McRib. Oh, Miles, you would love the McRib, man. Really? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not lying. Well, <laughs> so the. Oh, you it, well, let me it, tell you why. The, the, the reasons from my perception, right? Yeah. When I first heard of it, as somebody who like grew up in a barbecuing family, like the, mm. the word rib has a quite literal meaning to me. Yeah. So when I heard of the McRib, I'm like, and I saw it on a thing, I'm like, oh, you can just bite the bones and shit? <laughs> right. Because like, the they do that? like craft it into a sponge that yes. has bone shapes. Like bone it. mark. Yeah. Bone gradation. And that's, and, shit. and that's their logo for it is you can bite the bones. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, so that always put me off the simulated bones. I was like, this is fucking weird. (laughs) I love simulated bones, but oh, good. That's me. (laughs) No matter what, no matter when it's all. It's it's real mushy is the thing that you don't expect. It's like it it gives you, I think, more than any other piece of McDonald's meat. It gives you the sense of like you're the, the reason I was saying you might like it is because of your taste in fries which is you like fries. you like a mu- the soggy when you, when yeah, you eat a fry sliders. you like for it to be like falling apart in your hand as you just like fling it into your mouth yeah that's kind of the vibe you get from the McRib. oh no yeah for, for uh the what, you don't what like is, mushy meat yeah i don't 
like what is it like a floppy like a like a yeah it's a brown floppy piece of meat foam is kind of the Ooh. <laughs> but but it's all it's it's the the whole thing is kind of in just delivering a impressionistic take of like what barbecue would be in the mind of an alien you know two two thousand years after humanity and all of our you know they they've just read about it and right. this is like an impression of like we we think this is what they were doing with with that well it definitely it has does the essence like a... of smoke and meat <laughs> right it just doesn't it's... have any of that really i i guess it is made of pork but... right it just has such lab experiment vibes yes oh you know, for sure. like when i look at it i'm like what who can who thought this shit up and thought that was a, like a good thing to eat well, we I can tell you. So first oh, of all, good. the the people who thought up the marketing farewell tour is the music industry, which that that was my first thought when I saw, oh, they're doing another farewell tour. This reminds me of like every Rolling Stones tour when they're Eagles, like man. the last time, the Eagles, yeah. the Rolling Stones, <laughs> the Cher apparently has done like dozens of farewell tours. So, but as for the history of the McRib, it was first developed utilizing military technology to restructure meat for soldiers. Oh. Hold on, restructure meat for soldiers? Yes. Ooh. Okay. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yumma yumma, go on. So why haven't they uh it, why haven't they used uh the, you know, they also made food for space food. You ever eaten that space food? Oh yeah, I ate the space it ice has cream. Space food vibes. Yes. Crunchy foam, you know? Yeah. Why don't they use that for uh, for McDonald's things more often? I think this, right. this reminds me of that. It reminds yeah. me of like I just watched 2001: A Space Odyssey again, and they have that scene where they're like going to the moon base, and they're like they've really like gotten the feel of regular food as they're eating the sandwiches. They're like, right, right, right. This is cha-. like it kind of feels like that. It's like oh, they've done a pretty good job using just the restructured concept of meat. Or well, isn't right. that what chicken nuggets are too? It's just yeah. like this goop. I was just going to say, like, chicken nuggets definitely feel more like you are getting chicken. Like, they, mm. they feel more, like, you can sense the presence of, of chicken more in a chicken nugget than you can sense the presence of ribs in a McRib. <laughs> I feel their souls. Chicken nuggets, to me, are like its own food group in a way. I'm like, totally. yeah, fried chewy nugs yeah. with meat flavor. I think McRub pulls, pushes it even further in the direction of new food groups. Got it. It comes out in 1982. Okay. And it is a huge flop. Mm. It, it's premiered in 82 and immediately starts disappearing in 82. <laughs> By mm. 1983, the McRib is basically gone, except it'll reappear suddenly in some places only to disappear again with no one really knowing how or why. Right. Then comes the Flintstones movie in the 1990s. And John Goodman, they're like John Goodman, great film. Rick Moranis, yes. Rosie O'Donnell, Rosie O'Donnell, thank you. And who was the other? Oh, sorry, just to say, it was Elizabeth Perkins was Wilma. Okay, mm-hmm. Rosie O'Donnell. That makes sense. Rosie oh, O'Donnell. Oh, then Holly was... Berry was Sharon Stone. Was her name? That's right. Halle Berry <laughs> get it? Sharon Stone. That was her like Stone Stone's name. Did they um, try and cast Sharon Stone and like have to recast at the last moment? I don't know. I think maybe it was just like it was such a 90s film that they're like, this is a great name to evoke because it has a rock word in it. 
Yeah, it's a pun. Oh, yeah. yeah no, it works. It works for me. But it, it is weird to be like, and Halle Berry as Sharon Stone yeah, does sound like strange. a weird sentence to say out loud. Yeah. <laughs> but so they bring it back for that. And wait, so it, wait, is the McRib supposed to be dinosaur ribs? Is yeah, that because, you know, Fred Flintstone <laughs> would eat gi- giant brontosaurus ribs. Yeah. And so they were like, there you go. Like, that's a thing. And this is going to be the biggest hit movie of all time. So we're going to, we're going to, you know, re- reintroduce a, a food stuff and, specifically and, for the Flintstones. And kids love the vitamins. Yeah, right. Know? That's right. Exactly. I mean, I, people like eating things having to do with the Flintstones. There's something about that. And smoking Winston cigarettes. Kids also <laughs> like that. But if, you've, if you've seen the Fred Flintstone and Barney having a nice Winston behind the house commercials from the 1960s right. and 70s. Perfect. So the Flint's McRib stays on the menu again, but in 2005, it went on, you guessed it, a farewell tour. <laughs> That's 2005. So 17 years ago, okay. it, it goes on its first farewell tour, followed by three more farewell tours. <laughs> you can like go back and look at there's images. McRib, the farewell tour two, 2006. Theories abound that McDonald's is actually releasing and recalling the McRib in direct reaction to fluctuating pork prices. And if you like go back and map the appearance and the farewell tours of the McRib, it kind of works. Oh. oh, like they only hit it in the valleys, like in terms of like when yeah. they're hitting, like when it's at a low, they're like, all right, baby, buy up the pork. The McRib is back. Yes. Is is wow. beef, do beef prices, is that just like a, a horizontal line? Is that? I think I think it must be more steady. And also it's probably more steady because McDonald's exists, right? Yeah. And, yeah and they're the biggest, like one of the biggest if not the largest, like, uh, purchasers of beef. When they they? put apples in one of their salads, they became the biggest purchaser of apples in the United States. So, yeah, they, they, like, it's hard to say, okay, are they reacting to trends or are they creating them? Oh, yeah, maybe those dips and valleys are are a result of the McRib going in and out. Yeah, like insider information that they're going to... It's a it chicken nugget or egg McMuffin situation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what came chicken. first, the chicken nugget or the egg McMuffin? Nobody knows. I don't know. So that that makes a lot of sense. But it's, yeah, like, like we said, it's the same strategy that musical acts do and that infuriate people. <laughs> like the, So Ozzy Osbourne had the No More Tours tour when he was you know, initially retiring, I think, in 1992. And then in 2019, No More Tours 2. Cher, <laughs> LCD Sound System, The Who, like every genre, like they've all said yeah. goodbye. Nine Inch Nails. Around. I think Trent Reznor did it. Yeah. Yeah, Cher, the Wave Goodbye Tour. I, I, they, he duped me for that. I was like, I'm there, Trent. Yeah. Let's go. And then I'm like, he's still going. <laughs> I think the ballsiest was Cher did a farewell, multiple farewell tours. And then at one point she did a farewell tour and moved directly onto a Vegas residency for three years. <laughs> yeah. I think the reason it works is that, uh, I mean, like, so when you saw when you were duped by Trent, you weren't bummed that you went to the show, you know, no, not and at all. So he's back. Oh, well, that's only good news. You're never like, 
I went to one farewell show and I don't want to go to another one. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. I was like, I was there like two years later when he yeah. did another tour. And I was like, yeah, yeah, great, great, great. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here next to a guy who was juggling LED fucking balls next to me while I was tripping. And it was the most annoying thing. There's a guy I remember at, I think it was outside. I forget which tour I like big festival they were at. I was next to some guy who was juggling the whole fucking show. That's yeah, annoying. like light up balls. And I was like, this is a fuck. This is too much for me anyway. But all yeah. that to say, I'm not mad at when a farewell tour goes on. But yeah, right. so if it's good, if they do a good job, that's that's fantastic. Or it's I mean, also the uh, the Disney vault. They'll do that. Yeah. too. Yeah. The vault's good... closing. Yeah. Which is so weird. Yeah. yeah. We only can open it for. Yeah. It almost like I had an idea of the Disney vault that was like a like magical crypt that they could only open for like yeah, a couple exactly. weeks at a time. It's like, wait a second. This company has total control to do whatever the fuck they want whenever the fuck they want. Yeah. yeah. It's just a sales moratorium is what we call it more right. than anything. Rather than like, did did Walt's ghost let us look at the tapes again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say just with L C D sound sound system, I'll never James Murphy played himself. I thought they were done years ago and they're ev- for fucking everywhere again. Like, especially yeah. this last summer, I was like, I thought y'all were fucking done. But yeah. Look, I get it. They have fans. Yeah. <laughs> Barbara Streisand's fans actually tried to sue her after paying for hefty ticket prices for her first farewell tour. Wow. And so she did. She went on a farewell tour in 2000, grossed fix $56 million. Oh, and then wow. when she announced that she would be saying goodbye again in 2006... So that's they, they like they need to be keeping track of like okay that's too soon Barbara Streisand people will like literally sue you and it will become a news story but the McRib like goes away every couple years so we don't uh, yeah. like for fickle lawsuits and stuff the the shorthand has been speaking of McDonald's you know the suing for coffee being too hot but uh, it maybe should be suing for uh, not doing a proper farewell tour Streisand you know yeah. yeah. Well, and the coffee too hot thing is a great example of like corporations having control over like how our media works, because the person who got burned by their coffee, like McDonald's had been warned by consumer groups, like your coffee is way too hot. Like if somebody spills it on themselves, they will have like third degree burns. Like you need to chill out with how fucking hot your coffee is. They ignored those warnings. The person had like permanent skin damage from the hot coffee. Uh, and we're all like, oh, yeah, there's there's that asshole. Like, I, I only learned that like years after I had been telling, you know, using totally. that short. Yeah, that was for... that was myth busted uh, recently. Yeah. yeah, the the best way to do a farewell tour. This is the Bob Dylan method is always seem like you are on the verge of death and just right. stay touring. I went and saw Bob Dylan in like 2006 and I was like, this motherfucker is might not make it through this show. He's and then he's he's still touring. He's been on permanent tour for the last 30 years. He's like backstage just laughing, counting his money. He's like those dumb SOBs. Doing they think I'm fucking it. dying. Yeah. He's doing cross- <laughs> and then comes out. I was like, Ugh. he's like, I can clean and jerk 300 pounds, man. They ain't fucking with me. But is there any like, is there anything to being able to sue for for an artist saying this is the farewell, like to, to come out to say False this is the last time? Know. But I guess it's hard to say because you can't be like, you know, you have the right as a human being to be like, you know, actually, I wanted to come out of retirement. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's not obviously illegal, but they're clearly obviously like in the in terms of like someone's motivation to buy a ticket at a higher price, hearing that this could be the last time you'll see them clearly would add extra motivation. Yeah. And my theory is that it's not necessarily the artist's fault. It's I think the artist is like, yeah, I'm pretty good. Like I'm ready to retire. And I think this goes for boxers who come out of retirement, but they are not. Once you're famous and like, you know, you have an entire company's worth of people making money off of everything you do, you are no longer really in control of your own life. And so, you know, the people that you surround yourself with, the people you get business advice from are all going to be pushing you to come out of retirement, even if it's bad for you, even if it's like shitty to your customers, like there is you are like in an information bubble of people who are like, the people are calling for it, Barb. Like, we got to do it. I guess nobody calls Barbara Streisand Barb. Barb. Babs. She would, Babs. She would have them Babs. Yeah. Babs, Jack. Come well, and, or Ozzy Osbourne, you know, he did his No More Tours. And then, but he had right. no idea he was going to do like this huge hit reality show and his whole family was going to become crazy right. <laughs> famous. And so also, like, like, he might not have had any idea he was doing the No More Tours part two until like, they were like, yeah, just walk through that door, Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, walked there out. You go. There's a stadium full of people. Yeah, that that feels like one that's especially predatory. I mean, I think it's funny. Like the last time I was like, wait, they're not retired was Jay-Z. Because I was such a Jay-Z fan. And then when the Blueprint or when the Black album came out, I'm like, damn, that's a good way to go out. Like, yeah. Okay. Got that's our cool. ass. Then the, the subsequent albums, I'm like, bro, you should have, what the fuck is this shit? Because like none of his like, latter day albums like ranking his top five I'm no. like at all but i get for him he was like man i they're you know what they're still buying this shit we can put magna carta holy grail as like a download on samsung phones fuck it baby there's, i'm back i think there's a reason people do the i'm gonna go out on top like they usually when people do that they have some instinct that like they're not staying on top for that much longer like right and then when they do come out of retirement it's it, it usually gives a pretty good I don't know. Like, I'm thinking of Jay-Z. thinking of, like, Seinfeld is another example where people were like, they're going out on top. And, like, their last season wasn't their best season, but it was still, like, right. good enough. But then when, you know, Seinfeld does stand up after that, it's just not there <laughs> anymore, man. It's, not, yeah. it's no good. But he is a fashion icon, so we can... Oh, yeah. Look up to him for that. All right. That's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.
makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.